0: This is God's holy and trustworthy infallible word for us this evening. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness." In the late 1970s, the FBI ran a sting operation that they called ABSCAM. Scam. You may have heard of this just a year or so ago when the movie American Hustle came out that was very loosely based on that FBI operation. And as with all sting operations, the basic idea was for undercover law enforcement people to uncover illegal activities that normal investigations couldn't reach. And in the ABSCAM Scam scheme, the FBI employed a real convicted con man to offer bribes to several members of Congress, and if the congressman accepted the bribe, they would be prosecuted. Now, in the real ABSCAM scheme, one particular congressman from South Carolina was offered a pretty substantial bribe, and his response, and I assume in a good Southern accent that I can't duplicate, was, yee I've got larceny in my blood. I will take that bribe in a minute. Now, maybe the yee wasn't exactly part of that quote, but this is obviously a politician not at his best. So be careful who you vote for this week. So that was, unfortunately, real life. In the movie version of the story, all of the main players are also pretty horrible people, but the main FBI agent, Richie Damaso is really, really obnoxious. He's involved in this whole thing just to get his 15 minutes of fame. He doesn't care about justice. He doesn't care about anything except becoming famous so he blackmails some professional criminals into helping him out he beats up and almost shoots another fbi agent he does everything he can to entrap people into committing criminal acts and it's painful to watch this guy he is so completely pathetically focused on becoming famous and also so nasty to other people on the way now, in our text for tonight, James talks about two ways of living, and one of those ways of living exactly fits the description of that corrupt politician and that crooked FBI agent. In fact, part of that description that James gives us a couple times of bitter envy and selfish ambition was used by the Greek philosopher Aristotle to describe a very negatively viewed, scheming, greedy politician who was just out to advance his own cause without any care about justice or peace or any of that. Now everybody knows that that type of wisdom is kind of pathetic and really nasty. And in fact, James even dances around exactly calling it wisdom, and that's why in verse 15 there's kind of quotes around that, because James doesn't exactly call it wisdom. And then he says it's earthly, it's unspiritually, it's of the devil... The source of this so-called wisdom is certainly not God above. It comes from the earth, it stands opposed to the spirit of truth, and it's even demonic. Now these were strong words to describe a type of wisdom, especially in the ancient world. And in these verses, James may actually have been thinking of other ancient schools of thought that claimed to give true wisdom. In the ancient world, searching for wisdom was a religious pursuit. And, of course, there were a fair number of conmen and frauds, but a lot of genuine ancient religions were all about finding wisdom. And some of those schools of thought focused on wisdom as intellectual achievement. For those people, the wise person was the person who really understood the world. Most of humanity was just bumbling, complete idiots. But the smart people, and coincidentally the people who happened to follow this particular school of thought... While they could see past the surface of things, they understood the truth. Wisdom came to those who were smart enough to figure it out. Now, other people in the ancient world focused on wisdom as understanding the hidden secrets of the world. It wasn't that everybody else was stupid. It was that they were just confused. And so in order to be wise, what you needed to do was join this movement. And if you were committed enough and if they liked you enough, they might eventually let you in on the mystery. Let you in on the secrets at the center of the group. Wisdom came to the people who managed to get into the mystery religion's inner circle. But, of course, all of these attempts to find wisdom in the ancient world completely missed it. Intellectual religions and mystery religions were essentially selfish and competitive and even nasty. If you think that the good life comes from being intellectual, you'll end up despising everybody who doesn't seem as smart as you because they're a dummy. And anybody who is smarter than you, you're going to hate because, well, they're smarter than you and they make you look bad. And if you think that all of the good life comes from getting into the inner circle of a secret club, you're going to look down on everybody outside of the club and you're going to hate and envy anybody who got in deeper than you. So these ancient religions, these ancient quests for wisdom, ended up with everybody fighting to get ahead, stepping on the people beneath them, and pulling down the people above them. This false wisdom just, dis- just generated disorder and evil. I'm not sure if they still do this, but I have a cousin who works in the airline industry, and he has some interesting stories. And one of the ones I remember most clearly is he said, whenever we get a new plane... We park it on the runway, we fill it full of people, and then we practice evacuations. And to get a sense of what a real evacuation is like, we tell the first three people out, but we tell everyone that the first three people out will get a $1,000 bonus. We stick everybody in, we make them sit down, and we hit go, and the people just go nuts. Everybody, little old ladies, everybody is beating, biting, kicking, and doing everything they can to get out that door first, because they want to be the ones who get it. Worldly wisdom ends up with everybody beating, biting, and kicking to be the one who gets it. Now, our contemporary world looks pretty different than the ancient world, but some of our struggles still mirror those of the ancient world. Life is still full of disorder. People are still unwise. Now, we have this temptation in our modern technological culture to think we can save ourselves through our intellects and through our science. People in our culture have this temptation to construct a wisdom that says, well, we don't really need God. What we need is more research, more technology, more power, more this, more that. Now, this kind of pragmatic wisdom leads people away from God, but it also leads people to fight with others. There's something about that approach that somehow makes us as modern people say, well, if those people aren't going to get with the program, whoever those people are, they must be backwards or defective or stupid or something, and so they don't deserve the same respect that we, the elite, the people in the know, deserve. And along with that, we live in an age where there's all kinds of information available at our beck and call. So much information comes at us day after day, in fact, that we don't know how to filter it. And so our culture, and often we ourselves, have adopted this coping strategy that out of this stream of information coming at you, you pick what you like, you pick what's true and good for yourself, everything is just a mystery, but you can construct your own meaning out of it. Now, there's a certain sort of humility there in in admitting that we're all fallible, finite human beings, but that really doesn't give us any true wisdom about what to believe or how to act. If everything really does depend on your own perspective, ultimately you have nowhere left to stand. And it seems like as our culture works that out, the way that people develop their own place to stand isn't by firming up their own beliefs, but instead by attacking others. And you can see this on just about any website you care to visit, whether it's about football or about the Bible. Civil discourse is really unusual. And what you get is a lot of people just screaming their own opinions as loudly as they can almost like it's an echo chamber, and they hope if they're loud enough, they'll get some reassurance back that no, really, they have a foundation to stand on. We have access to all kinds of information, but we in the postmodern age still don't know how to live wisely. Now, when James opens up by asking who is wise and understanding among his readers, he quickly goes on to say, let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility That comes from wisdom. One of the key problems with worldly wisdom that James highlights is that it doesn't lead to wise action. Even if somebody really knows their stuff, if they don't do anything with it, all that knowledge and learning is useless. Great knowledge without action is not true wisdom. Now, we don't know too much about James as a person, and he only shows up three or four times in the New Testament. But at one of those times, we see James himself not just talking about wisdom, but actually living out great, true wisdom and giving us a picture of this wisdom from above that he talks about in this passage. In Acts 15, some people were going around to different churches teaching that people needed to submit to all of the Old Testament law if they were to be saved. In other words, these first century teachers were going around saying, it's not enough to believe in Jesus, you also need to become Jewish. Now this sparked a lot of debate, and finally the church leaders had to have a council in Jerusalem to settle the matter. And at that council, the apostles and the elders went back and forth, and there was a huge discussion, and then Peter stood up and spoke. And then Paul stood up and spoke, and then James stood up, and James basically told the council and the whole church what their conclusion was going to be. Now, before we get to what that conclusion was, you have to remember that James was a Jewish man through and through. This was the brother of Jesus, and he was a man who had insisted that faith not accompanied by action was dead. This was a man who was serious about the need to do good works, So you might have expected James to stand up, toe the hard line, and insist that everybody who wanted to follow Jesus had to follow all of the Jewish regulations. But James was wiser than that. James, in the wisdom of God's Spirit, was too peaceable, too considerate, too full of mercy and good fruit, too impartial and too sincere. In other words, he was too wise, as he himself described it, to demand that everybody who followed Jesus also had to become culturally Jewish. And so James stood up and he quoted an Old Testament passage that talked about all of humanity, even the Gentiles, coming in and being part of God's people. And he said, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the outsiders to come in. Instead of demanding, and he could have stood on his rights and demanded this, instead of demanding that new believers become more like he was and more how his people were, James did his best not to lay unnecessary burdens on people who wanted to follow Jesus. Now, he was still serious about discipleship. He still insisted that living in Jesus meant living in a different way than the world. But James pushed the whole church into opening the doors wide to all the peoples of the world. And in doing that, James well, James was undercutting his own power. Instead of scrambling to get himself ahead, when James stood up and made that speech, he was laying down the power that he had. Historically, James has been seen as the great church leader in Jerusalem. And when he stood up and advocated that people could go and not become Jewish and still be a follower of Jesus, That meant that the church wasn't going to be centered on Jerusalem anymore. That meant the church was going to expand out to the ends of the earth. But it meant that Jerusalem wasn't going to be the center. The center would be the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of his people, wherever they were, whoever they were. The center would not be Jerusalem where James was among the great leaders. Now that shift away from following the Jewish law to following the Lord Jesus opened the way for just explosive growth of the church, and the church spread throughout the Roman world and has kept spreading throughout the world till today. The spirit-led direction that James gave, the wisdom of the Lord that he demonstrated in his action, exemplified what true wisdom looks like. The true wisdom that James preached, that James wrote about, and that James practiced all in the power of the Holy Spirit didn't make him act like he was smarter than everybody else. It didn't make him act as if he understood the mysteries and the secrets of the faith in a way that only the truly special could. True wisdom from above led James to be grounded in God's ways, to be humble, and to do the right thing at the right time. So returning to James chapter 3 now, this letter tells us to lay aside worldly wisdom and to seek true wisdom from above. If we go back to chapter 1, James says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The world and the devil always have plenty of false wisdoms to peddle. But the Lord is the true source of unchanging wisdom. And in particular, the Bible portrays the Holy Spirit as the giver of wisdom. The Holy Spirit leads us as God's people to understand God's plan and His will. The Holy Spirit makes us wise. The Holy Spirit makes us able to live wisely. The only source of true wisdom is our Lord God. And God gives us that wisdom through his spirit of wisdom. If we want to live well and live wisely, we need to depend on God's spirit. And of course, the spirit speaks to us in a variety of ways. But the spirit always agrees with God's word. The spirit always works through the community of believers. And the spirit always produces good fruit. Worldly wisdom is characterized by bitter envy and selfish ambition, and it leads to disorder and all kinds of evil. But wisdom from above leads us to be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The source of true wisdom is the Holy Spirit. The result of true wisdom is peace and human flourishing. The real wisdom that comes from above makes us humble. And in a culture that thinks that we can solve everything if we just put enough effort and research and technology into it, true wisdom leads us to recognize our limitations. Yeah, we still do all those things. We still employ God's creational goodness. We still hold on to what's good and right. But we also let go. We let go of our attempts to take over God's place and to make the world run how we think it should run. True wisdom leads us to lay down lay down our selfish ambition and to look to others' interests instead of our own. True wisdom gives us a proper humility about all human abilities and it lets us rest and be at peace in the hands of the Lord of the universe. Real wisdom also gives us a place to stand in the swirling wind and waves of our time. We are swamped by information, by different opinions, and by the insistence that everyone can choose their own reality. But the wisdom that God gives us through His Word and His Spirit enables us to set our feet on the rock that is Christ. And when we are grounded in Christ, we have a perspective from which to determine what's really good and what's really true. Being in Christ and being in God's spirit gives us a grid to filter out the things that are coming at us and make some kind of sense of the world. There are a lot of mysteries in our lives, but the wisdom from above gives us enough light to make wise decisions for today. And finally, of course, if we really are wise and understanding, if we really have wisdom from above, that will overflow into good lives and peaceful living. Knowledge, even knowledge of the best, the true things, doesn't equal wisdom. If we only have faith in our heads, that's not good enough. We need to have a faith that's in our heads, that's in our hearts, and that's in our hands. And all of those three need to work together as we follow our Lord. God's Word and God's Spirit give us what we need to have true wisdom. There are a couple of sayings that I used to hear a lot that go, No Jesus, no peace. And for tonight, we could switch those to no wisdom, no peace. Now, the first of those is N-O, wisdom, N-O, peace. No wisdom, no peace. In that Abscam story that I started with, the people had no true wisdom from above and so they had no peace. The congressman who had larceny in his blood and the FBI agent who just wanted his 15 minutes of fame no matter what, well, things didn't work out so well for them. That congressman ended up resigning in disgrace, and to this day he's a laughing stock. And that FBI agent over the course of the movie, well, everything goes haywire for him, and he ends up with no fame, no friends, and no peace. Worldly wisdom, envy, and, self, and selfish ambition don't produce good fruit. Even if they work out for a while, they end us up in all kinds of trouble, either in this life or the next. If you don't have true wisdom in the Spirit of Jesus Christ, you won't have true peace. No wisdom, no peace. But the other saying goes no Jesus, no peace. No wisdom, no peace. K-N-O-W. If you have the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives, you are able to live at peace with God and to live at peace with other people. James himself demonstrated that life of peace in that story in Acts 15, and his spirit-enabled wisdom led to amazing things in the church. And for us today, our lives only really work when we put down our envy of others, when we lay aside our selfish ambitions, when we live in peace, when we live in the wisdom that comes from above. And the only way that we get that wisdom that we need to live in humility and peace is by looking to our Lord. Like every good and perfect gift, true wisdom comes down from above down from our Lord and our Father in heaven, through the mediating work of the Son and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, His Spirit will fill you with wisdom, and you will have peace.